1: Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can
0: contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information.
1: We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality.
0: This week, we're joined by return guest Matt Milligan of the band Wheatus. Matt originally picked Hanson because they were a band he enjoyed and had a lot of history with, but what him and Hanson fan producer Matt Kelly discovered doing research on the band is that there were multiple controversies that popped up in the last few months. Listen further to hear how we discuss a band that was an undeniable thunder until a few months ago.
1: One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed, and you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me
0: wonder, is it just a wonder? All right, Matt. You picked Mbop, and right off the bat, I want to know why you picked this out of a <laughs> out of a list of a thousand different one hit wonders. What made you want to pick Mbop?
2: Okay, so there's a there's a lot to say here. I I do have quite a history yeah. with the song, and I'll get into it. But I also loved the fact that. Well, and it's funny because it turned out to be more controversial than I thought. But I knew this was a controversial yeah. pick even when this song was really popular. It was so divisive. People, I mean, people really got angry at this song. I don't know. I just, right. anytime a song makes people so angry, I find that really fascinating. And I want to like n- get into what <laughs> it is about a song that makes people so mad. Does that make sense? Yeah, it
0: makes sense. I yeah. have a lot of thoughts on this song too. This came out, I was a senior in high school when this song came out. And so, yeah, I heard it. Did I like it? Absolutely not. I don't think I was mad about it. I think at that point, I didn't even care about a song. like I think if this would have hit when I was like 13 or 14, I would have absolutely despised it. But I think I was old enough to like, ah, that's a song for little kids.
2: So this is funny because you're a little bit older than me. When this song came out, I was, I think 12. So I was arguably right in the perfect age. I was literally the age of like the kids in this band. And I was too young. I'm the oldest. I don't have an older brother or anything like that. So I didn't have much music coming down to me at that age in my life. So I was really like a radio pop kid at that point and this song was just completely inescapable. I mean it was absolutely everywhere and I I have no uh, shame to say that I did enjoy it and I did wind up picking up the CD although I'm sure it was bought for me. I I 12 years old you don't have much money for CDs, but I did get the CD and I I was I was all in on it at that point in my life. But I do think that's that, you know, this is this this type of song where that age makes such a huge difference.
1: This was one of those bands that I think in their truest sense, they were they were a guilty pleasure for me because. Yeah, it was one of those groups that my sisters had the album. And at this time, I'm like listening to less than Jake and MXPX and all these punk bands. But deep down, I'm like, I really, really, really like this Hanson record. And I would sneak into my sister's bedroom and borrow the CD and listen to it because I thought that the songs were phenomenal on it. Like I thought Umbop was a better song than people were giving it credit for from like a lyrical standpoint. But I also found a lot of the deeper cuts on it to be very well-written songs. And the fact that like these kids who were my age or younger were writing and performing their own music was like something that was really interesting to me. <laughs>
0: So Matt Milligan's coming at it from the truest, most authentic way. It was, you were a kid, you were about the same age as these kids, and you were in your early music-owning days, probably, where you're making your own decisions and not just being spoon-fed things by your parents or, or whoever. It's kind of you're making a conscious decision to like this, You're right in that zone, just as like in the early 90s, when I'm making my first decisions about my first things I'm going to buy, I'm buying Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer and things like that. So you know these things that, yeah, they don't hold up necessarily, but I can still like them because I have these memories associated with these songs. I I know these songs. So you're the only one of the three of us. We're coming at it from three different perspectives of three slightly different age groups, whereas you know, you're in the thick of things, Matt Milligan. Matt Kelly, you're what? You're a little bit older, but you are into punk rock, but you are, this is a guilty pleasure. And I'm coming at it from like, I don't like this song, but I also don't really (laughs) care about it.
1: Hard pass. So someone had mentioned this in the, this was one of the few times where we announced who we were discussing in the Facebook page in advance to get some feedback on the band, because like this is one of those bands that, I mean, are they, or aren't they a one hit wonder is like a little up to debate. Cause they did actually have three songs that were in the top 20 on billboard. But like most people on this planet will never know those songs besides the fansons out there. And <laughs> the, um, but but for me, it was actually their second album. They had a song called This Time Around that was like the big single. It was the last song of theirs to hit the top 20. And I thought yeah. that that song was absolutely incredible. And that's what made me retroactively go back and listen to Middle of Nowhere. And on it, I was like, okay, yeah, like this is very kids boppy in a, in a sense. But like from a lyrical standpoint, in retrospect, doing research, it's like, no, but this does shine as... A band's third album, regardless on if it was like a bunch of like the youngest member being 12 at the time. This is their third album of songs that they wrote themselves and recorded themselves. And they were like doing indie records when they were like nine and 10. There is a sign of growth in it. And there is a sign of maturity of like a group of dudes who had been writing music since they were toddlers. And I think that that's why people are such big fans of them now is that they never stopped. So you get to these like albums that they put out 10, 15 years after the hit, and it's a musician that's been playing their instrument for 20 years and like truly mastering their instrument, writing really good catchy pop songs or like Motown-esque songs. Or bluesy songs, like just a very all encompassing style and skill. Unfortunately, we also found out that they're uh, not the greatest people in the world, and we'll get to that before this episode's over. But, like, I, as I said to Matt before we record it, like, if we were recording this six or seven months ago, this would be nothing but a Hansen are great guys, and like, you should be supporting their <laughs> music because they're amazing musicians. And then, like, October 2020 and beyond happened. Yeah, yeah.
2: For this part of the conversation, it makes sense to me that like we'll have to put a pin in that stuff just for a little bit because we must talk about it. I absolutely must talk about it. But Let's cross that bridge later in the episode. Exactly, (laughs) exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, I I agree completely. I mean, I I would have felt the same thing. I was very surprised to hear it because I have... Well, I'm trying to think of where should... You should steer the conversation at this point. I have a lot. I have a lot of anecdotes.
0: Here, I got something to say. (laughs) I have noticed in geez, the past decade or so, there has been this pressure among people I know, other musicians I know. And there is this sort of, I don't know what to call it. You, you guys might know what I'm talking about. Matt Milligan might know even a little bit more. Um, there's this sort of pride in saying that you like artists or songs that people wouldn't expect you to. Yeah. Like, the perfect example is like Justin Bieber. There's so many things to not like about the guy. And (laughs) to the average music listener, they might be like, that is awful. Why on earth would, would you like that? But as a person who writes songs or plays music, you can talk about things like, oh, he's a great performer. He's a great songwriter to things. There's something about that. I think sometimes people do that to try to sound cool. <laughs> and, you know, I-, I think it's probably rightfully so a lot of times, like anything that's popular, you can find something as a songwriter or a musician that's probably pretty good about it if you dig deep enough. But sure. a lot of times, I think people are just trying to sound cool. Like, uh, oh, you know, people that are into punk rock or people that are into other types of music talking about how they like Justin Bieber it just it doesn't mesh to the average person and a lot of times the average person me what the hell are you talking about why are you saying that Justin Bieber yeah. is good that isn't good
2: <laughs> you know well, yeah i do i i feel like the the categories of music and the way people sort of compartmentalize stuff has really changed in the last few years because when i was growing up it was you know, and I—I th- I think I'm the youngest of the group here. But like, y- you were not—if you were a punk kid, you were not into hip hop, or you were not into metal, or you were not into the in, even mainstream pop. That was not a thing. If you were, you didn't talk about it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but like in—in in my, you know, I was—I'm saying I, the mbop came out when I was 12. By the time I was 16, 17, like you, I was full on punk rock kid, like both of you, and that was—I I wouldn't even. I wouldn't have touched that with a 10 foot pole, but now I feel like I see it more and more that it's so interesting to me that the lines have become so blurred in newer music where people really don't draw those lines in the same way. I hear more recent like, you know, songs that get categorized as rap and hip hop. And I listened to it. I was like, my God, this sounds like it was just as influenced by blink One Eighty Two as it was like actual, you know, what I consider real rap music, like it's all kind of meshing together in a way and like electronic music meets pop music meets hip hop music with a little bit of sort of pop punk influence is sort of becoming just a thing that people hear and do. Right. And I think that part of that is probably everyone having access to
0: all music at all times now. Yeah, And to be honest, I don't know When, when we're talking about these things, we're talking about this When we are a teenager, I'm sure there are teenagers that are still like, you know, hate pop music and like, you know, specific types of punk rock and things like that. I I think that's something that you you tend to be that way, whether you're an indie rock snob or or whatever you are as a teen or early 20s, you you get in this. I think as you get older, you you open your mind to more and more things. Some people, if people were able to do that at a younger age, more power to them. I was. You know, I've talked about it too much on this podcast, but too cool, <laughs>
2: too cool for so much stuff. Oh, I definitely, definitely was too. I definitely yeah. was too.
0: Yeah, but you just you, you grow as a as a person and it's not just music. It's everything. You open your eyes to more and more things as you get older. And if you don't, man, you're missing out on life. But mm. to bring it back to Hanson a little bit. Hanson has been one of those bands that have hung around in the background of my life forever. And I think (laughs) that is most likely because there is such a strong contingent of women around my age. I would say anywhere from 10 years younger to me to 10 years older than me. Who are mega fans of this band. <laughs> and yeah. I think there's something to be said for that, being that if you like the music, the time, and you have the nostalgia attached to it, and not just to those songs from that first Middle of Nowhere album, but just their sound in general, the sound of their voices, their style. I mean, I listen to music from all of their albums today. And I'm like, okay, this is the same band. <laughs> this isn't that uh, outlandishly different. And I will say <laughs> what I expected to happen was that once I listened to this, uh, which was a playlist created by an overwhelming response in our group to saw so- It really was. People- <laughs> it was, man. I mean... When we first made this group crazy. for One Hit Thunder, it was like nonstop action. And there were people posting songs they love. Kind of died down after a while. I think after every song ever was posted in there, you know, things slowed down in there. <laughs> but when Matt posted about Hanson's suggestions, Jesus Christ, people came out of the woodwork <laughs> to, to, to tell their, their Hanson songs. So what I expected was by the end of it that I was going to be like, ah, damn it. I get it now. I can't help it. I love this. This is undeniably great, but that did not happen. I I think these guys are great players. Obviously they're solid songwriters, everything about them. uh, As far as the recordings, they sound great, but Matt Kelly, I heard you say this earlier. If, what they're influenced by is Motown, then I feel like this is an insult to Motown.
1: I think the album uh, Shout It Out specifically was a very Motown heavy song yeah. with stuff like thinking about something and stuff like they wanted to, even their music video was like a throwback to the Blues Brothers with Weird Al directing it. Like, again, I know that this is like something in the background that we're going to get to, but I think that why so many people feel so hurt by what has happened in the last couple months in the Hanson scope is that they've always presented themselves as like this fun band that doesn't take themselves too seriously and like they're really talented musicians but they like goof on themselves and they do music music video parodies and they're friends with weird Al Yankovic and they you know built their own brewery and called it Umhops and they like you know, would do these big shows, but then they would also do like these small acoustic shows and they would have like the Hanson fan club where they would record songs specifically for the people in the fan club and would do personal, like they were very hands on with their fans for the last 20 years. It's kind of similar to like what we see with like the Rick Springfield fans where it doesn't matter that he to the world is a one hit wonder. He's had such a continuous connection in their lives and continue to be like... I
0: get that, man. Listen, I listened to this today, and I we're going to get to it a little, a little bit later <laughs> about the, the current stuff, but I did tell myself that I, I'm going to listen to this music for the quality of the music itself and keep that stuff out of my mind because that's recent, and I wanted to approach this from a, both Sonic and songwriting and just those levels and not so much controversy. But... Yeah. What I got out of it, like I said, I expected that I was going to be like, ah, finally. Okay, fine. I like it. After 20 some years of everyone talking about this band and people telling me how good Hanson is, finally, I get it. All right. But what, what I heard was songs that sounded contrived. The singing sounds very put on to me, like someone trying to sound breathy and soulful, but in essence sounds like a midwestern white dude's like I, it just there, there was no it, it sounded very yeah put on inauthentic and honestly I hated it I hate I I, I hate the music of Hanson and that has no, and I mean The controversy, yeah, (laughs) the the stuff about him now, it's like, I will say this, I would be saying the same thing regardless of any right wing (laughs) beliefs of this group is just Mm because, dude, I'm telling you that recently, this is a true story that, you know, I, I produced Chris to makes a podcast and on it, he was talking to me about, I guess, maybe Stephen Egerton of the descendants is from around the same lives around these guys, and was talking to Chris about how good Hanson is so it's like a punk rock legend talking about how good Hanson is like they're respected as musicians and as a band and stuff so any of these opinions I oh yeah I have about them are purely mine but I (laughs) just I just thought I was gonna like this and I honestly hate it
2: (laughs) (laughs) Matt I have a question for you have you ever seen them live yes I have have seen them I have okay so now we can get The the, the perfect segue into some of my... Okay, so album comes out, big hit single when I'm like 11 or 12 years old. And then I get older and I forget about them, as most people did. I did also, like you, Matt, I heard and enjoyed this time around. I don't know if I ever bought that CD, but I liked that song a lot. I thought that was really good. When I am in high school, I am, let's say, 17. And my first like real serious girlfriend in my life is a Hanson fanatic. Exactly as you said, Chris, like they are they are out there in, in great quantities. <laughs> and she was, she had this very, very intense yeah. personal connection to Hanson. She just adored them and she wanted me to go. And again, I'm a punk rock kid at that time. This is not something that I would do, but it's my girlfriend. I care about her. I'm like, of course, I will go see Hanson with you. And I drive with her to see them at, I think it was the starland ballroom in Sayreville, new jersey and okay yeah they are touring for their first post major label album which is called underneath which i think is their best album if i was going to rank one (laughs) i i would i would say it probably is too but so i show up at this show and i have again to be fair i have zero expectations i was like i am this is i'm doing this as a boyfriend solid i'm gonna check this out and we're gonna see how it goes (laughs) (laughs) They open that show. They open the show with a radio head cover (laughs) jaw on the floor. It, It was one of those moments. It was like as if they were like, and I'm sure they did this for the whole tour. It was, it was a calculated move. And it was a smart move. Because I'm sure they knew how many people in the audience didn't take them seriously, potentially. And we're like, it, it was just like a, this. Like, How many <laughs> of you were there with their girlfriends? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How many dudes like me in the back with their arms folded? Like, I can't wait for this to be over. And they opened with a cover of Optimistic by Radiohead. Not even a notable song, like a real random deep cut. And I was just <laughs> stunned. I couldn't believe it. And then for the rest of the show, they did their songs. They sounded great. They also threw in other covers. I remember they covered uh, Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers and Gimme Some Lovin' by Spencer Davis Group. And I was just so impressed with how well they played. They had a backing band behind them as well who were incredible. Um, And the show was just so solid. And it was, I mean, again, in retrospect, this is the first album they've done after being on a major label. They know who they are. They know what their reputation is in music. And they were like, we're going to go out there and we're going to do everything in our power to do the We Demand Cred tour. And it seems without a doubt that was the first step towards them actually achieving it because they really did. As you said, Chris, they certainly have achieved cred for days.
0: I At can't tell you, yeah, I, I'm serious when I say that it's been a mounting thing for years and years. And Matt, what's funny is I also had a girlfriend way back in the day who was like a mega fan of Hanson. Oh, yeah. I think probably everybody did. It, you know, that might even be like a, a, a little edgy in the direction usually of being like, Oh God, would you shut up about this band? Like <laughs> you're talking about the Mbop band of all the bands in the world. You're talking about the Mbop band. That's who you yeah. like so much. But... <laughs> There has been this mounting thing over the years. Uh, The uh, drummer in my band, Corey, he loves Hanson. He talks about, oh, they're amazing. They're, you know, in the thread, he was talking about them in in this thread, too, about how awesome they are. And just over the years, it's been more and more people talking about this band. And I get that there is something magical. I'm an only child, so I would never be able to experience this. But there's something innate and magical about siblings or family members playing music together that probably goes even deeper than doing it with your friends or playing for a long time. Maybe there's something inside of you that just gels musically. <laughs> there's something to be said for that too. Not not to mention the fact that you've probably been playing music yeah. from the time you were in single digits uh,
2: in years of age. And harmonizing too. I mean, the vocal, the vocal harmonies, that's the yeah. sort of thing. You've been doing that since you could probably speak.
0: Right. So there has been this growing legion of people in my vicinity talking about how good Hanson is for years and years and years. And I just never really heard the song or whatever. And I, it's not like I'm, let me say this one more time to make this clear. They're better than music than me. (laughs) (laughs) They are great players. They are great songwriters, everything about them, but that doesn't change the fact that I hate it (laughs) and I just think that it's a it's a there's a personal taste thing there but just once again like
2: sure yeah of course I I was
1: expecting to like it and I I really did I I had a friend who got me into them again like I was like okay I like this time around I liked the album middle of nowhere and then I like kind of promptly forgot that Hanson existed for like a decade yeah and I became friends with my friend Laura and she was like oh you have to listen to the song Penny and me you have to listen to this song if only and like they i i find that those two songs specifically the reason why i think underneath is their best album is like i think that those two songs are undeniable pop hits that only didn't do better because they're by hansen like i think that if like any other pop artist recorded penny and me or if only it would be like a massive hit she convinced me to go see them live one time and it was actually maybe five years ago it was the middle of everywhere tour where they were celebrating 25 years of being a band, which is crazy because they're the same age as me. And I was 30 seeing them perform. Man, I had such a good time at that show. And that was kind of when I was like, all right, I'm buying all their records. I'm going to go. I'm going all in. I'm being a super fan for Hanson. I want to see them live again. Uh, And that was my opinions up until about three
2: days ago. (laughs) I agree with you on uh, Penny and me, Matt. I think that is a I think that's a really, really, really good song by any metric.
0: Well, let's uh, we always take a look at this. Let's take a look at what what else was going on in music at the time that this song. So this song peaked at number
2: one. Peaked at number
0: one.
1: This is literally the charts two weeks after we did the Mac Morrison episode. So the charts are almost identical for this wow mark
0: morrison return mark of the morrison.
1: yeah sorry <laughs> return uh, of the which mark
0: it's easy to make yeah return <laughs> of the mark by mac morrison. <laughs> i see the return of the mac yeah is in there but also there's say you'll be there by spice girls and i want you by savage garden which one is that
2: that's the cherry Ch- cola one. one the sort of like rapping versus one yeah okay
0: where have all the cowboys gone <laughs> by paula cole was up there Ooh. i mean this is this is peak 90s.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this is this is very 90s. Cuz cuz this I, I found this out recently before I even knew we were doing this episode and this kind of blew my mind. Mbop and most of that first record I believe is produced by the Dust Brothers. So the Dust Brothers produced Mbop coming off of they had just produced Odole for Beck. And then they finish Whoa. that record. They finish that record and then they they produce Mbop. That is the most mind-blowing thing to me <laughs> to think that they could do that. Like it's That's so wild. crazy. They went from Beck Hansen to Taylor, Isaac, and Zach Hansen. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they were exactly. only
1: producing
0: Hanson. <laughs> but
2: but but it is it is interesting nice. if you now like if you listen to Umbop and you think about it through that lens, it actually does kind of make some sense. The production of Mbop has a lot of those elements. That you hear in like, a, I mean, obviously the songwriting is really different. It's a different genre of music entirely, but it still has that sort of like, you know, the guitar based sort of like pop rock top. The beat of it is like a little bit almost like a hip hop looped drum beat to it. I actually have no idea how the drums on Mbop were recorded because obviously Zach was the drummer, quote unquote, but he was... at the time. I wouldn't be surprised if it was some sort of a loop or a, it sounds a little bit like a loop to me on that recording, but it has that like almost like hip hop feel in the verses. Well, there's record scratches in it. There's record record scratching, which is loaded with it. You know, it's, it's funny in Weedis in 2019, we did for our Patreon. um, We let Patreon members make requests of songs they wanted to hear us cover. And people got to do voting and we had this whole voting structure of like, what songs do you want to hear us cover? And one of the ones that won was, we did about 10 songs and one of them was Mbob. So we covered it in the basement in our studio for Patreon a few years back. You can actually see it on YouTube. It's up there now. The crazy thing, and we wound up doing like a Fleetwood Mac song. We did a song by The Darkness. We did Hold On by Wilson Phillips, which was hilarious and fun. Nice. (laughs) But the craziest thing that we realized in the process of doing that is musically, Mbop was the closest to what we were already familiar with than anything else that we had to do. Because it had this keys, bass, drums, right. and guitar sort of structure. It has the record scratching in it, which Teenage Dirtbag has, because it's also from sort of that same era sure. where that was such a thing that happened at that time, that like late 90s, like it was the ultimate, like let's put a little edge on our pop song. <laughs> Throw some record scratching in there for no discernible reason. <laughs> so you're
0: coming in at, into this having... Performed the song, and I will note you—you you are added to the pile. Which, dude, I don't know if I believe this number, Matt. Matt supplied these stats. I—I I find it really hard to believe that this is true. But Matt says that there have been over ninety-three thousand covers of Bop
1: on YouTube. I, that's according to MTV. I, I'm just reporting MTV numbers.
0: Ninety-three
2: thousand, dude. That sounds—that is a—that's a shocking number. Well, yeah. I guess I'm one of that ninety three thousand yeah, I don't know when I that <laughs> I don't know when that that, that number was Confirmed. I might even be more than that at this point. Yeah, that was in 2016 by MTV. Okay, so 93,001 then. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, but here's, here's the thing I was going to say is in another note that Matt made here is Isaac Hanson commented that they don't like most of the covers as people seem to syncopate the chorus incorrectly. Did you guys syncopate the chorus correctly? I guess it is tricky.
2: I'll tell you right now, we actually had enough of... <laughs> okay, so in Weedis, Brendan is our primary singer, but we have two women who do backing vocals for most of the songs. and. Mbop was one of a couple that we did where we actually let our backing vocalists sing lead. And they basically took the voices of the Hanson boys and Brendan sang a little bit of the chorus, but not the whole thing. And the, a big part of it was he had Mm -hmm. the hardest time getting that chorus right. Cause doing that while also playing the guitar part at the same time, it does have a bizarre syncopation to it. If you like really break down like the, the syllables and the way that they, deliver that line and it was just I mean it was also supposed to be yeah. a really fun this was one of those things where like oh this is going to be a fun like we'll crank out some covers in the basement and on this song it was both the most familiar and also surprisingly challenging for us to get in a place that we were feeling really good about it and it got to a point where it was like we're spending way too much time trying to perfect Mbop we got to move on so like Brendan you stop <laughs> we're going to let the we're going to let the girls get this right
0: okay so maybe maybe my opinion is slightly changing. I really haven't thought about it this way, but that chorus alone, you know, I wouldn't or I'm not going to lie here. I've become a Factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie-smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout, plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com/1hit50 and use the code 1hit50 to get 50% off. That's code 1hit50, the words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com/1hit50 to get 50% off.
1: So one of the things that I learned while researching this that I didn't know was that this whole song is built off of the um oombop part was a backup part on a different song that they never recorded, And they were like, this song isn't working, but this backup melody that we're doing harmonize wise, they were like, I think this is actually a hit. So they just took Mm. this backup melody vocal and turned it into a chorus and then wrote a song around that instead interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, I saw that. That is interesting. Hey, I, I got to say this too. For as many assholes like me out out there in the world who, <laughs> who, didn't, who didn't care about it when it came out, have been kind of annoyed by the band ever since, gave them a chance today and hated it. For as many of me that are out there, I will say that it was voted the best single of the year by Village Voice. It received High rankings from Rolling Stone, Spin, VH1. It was ranked the number twenty best song of the nineties by VH1, and uh, ninety eight on VH1's greatest song of the uh, of the past twenty five years. And also, like it's beloved by people still today. So, regardless of my little opinion about it, the song itself <laughs> has lived on, and and I don't know. There's something to be said for that it's whether i like it or not it has become timeless
1: i've legitimately found myself thinking about some of the non-chorus lyrics in this song constantly And (laughs) and i think not because that they're like the most like poetic thing in the world like we're not sitting here talking about like the same way we talk about the way duncan Sheik words things in barely breathing or anything like that but like to think about it from the mind of like a 13 year old sat down and wrote this song, which on its surface is a very weird poppy chorus that means nothing. But then you start looking at the lyrics and, and read like I think for a 13 year old to write a song that is very much a mature song about looking at like. How life can be gone in an instant and like living your life to the fullest. And like this concept of like in an oombop, it's gone. Like in a fleeting moment of time, like you're suddenly an old man and like your loved ones have died. I wasn't writing songs like that at 13 for sure. <laughs> like my yeah. songs are about like Ferris Bueller's day off and like how much I hate at School. I mean,
0: I give them credit, you know, for everything that I'm saying negative. I think maybe I'm convincing myself that Mbop's a really good song. And, <laughs> and maybe maybe Mbop is actually the saving grace of this band for me, whereas I'm sure for mega Hansen fans are probably like, oh, you know, Mbop's whatever. It's their, it's their deep yeah, cut yeah, that yeah. are actually the good songs. But I think this might be the good song. And I think that's a good point, yeah. Matt, that they're writing stuff that's ahead of their time as young kids. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's oh, I like the
2: fact too again the message of the song is very thoughtful and interesting but also a lot of the phrasings of the lyrics are very childlike which I appreciate because they were written by a kid. Like I love the fact that they multiple times reference the idea of getting old is just directly equated with losing your hair. Like that's the that's their <laughs> marker of like like you know like when you get old and lose your hair, that's when it's all gone. That happens in in one Mbop.
0: Which would have been the absolute crisis of all time for Hanson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that. These kids, that would have yeah. been the worst
2: thing. With their flowing locks of hair, like, uh, oh my God, can you imagine? It is maybe the most like quintessentially 90s music video ever made as well. Oh, it's a strong contender. Sure. It's amazing to watch Them- now. The, the green screen work in it is phenomenal. For and then sure. just like it, the weird like jittery camera thing where like every few frames are removed and then just him skating around a parking lot. And Zach, oh my God, the 10 year old with the like the cornrows braids in his hair. It was like, what is happening, guys? Jesus.
1: The one other thing that I'll say before we dive into to the more recent developments is... Chris, you do have to give a little bit of credit. We just talked about Bewitched and how Bewitched got dropped from a record label. And they oh, were yeah. like, man, I guess we're not a band. They were like, well, we got dropped from a record label. Time to do
2: the indie gra- indie band route. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I almost forgot to say it. That was my other. OK, so just really quick. So I was with the girl. She loved and She got me to go to the show. I was convinced. I was like, wow, this was way better than I thought it was going to be and I did like listen to Underneath and I was like this is a really solid like folky pop record we split up I am at the time going to NYU and Hanson come to NYU with a documentary that they were like touring around the country this documentary and they were going to music schools mostly and it was about them getting out of their contract with Island Def Jam and going independent. And it was fascinating. And they showed the movie and they did a Q&A afterwards. And I was probably the only man in the room. I went by myself, but I had a wonderful time. But th- it was amazing because they had a documentary crew there to film what they thought was going to be, oh, it's the making of our new album for Island Def Jam. And what they wound up capturing was these guys fighting to get out of that contract because... They wouldn't. I have not seen this movie in fifteen years, so I I might be uh, shaky on some of the details. But the way I remember it is, they delivered to Island Def Jam something to the tune of like fifty to seventy-five songs, and they just kept saying no. They were they were locked into a contract where they needed to deliver another record to them, and every time they did, Def Jam was like. We don't like it. You got to do it again. And they were stuck. They couldn't get out of that deal. It was like, you. we need to release the record, but they didn't have to release a record unless they thought they could sell it. So these kids were just like writing and writing and writing and recording, presenting songs. No, okay, let's make another record. And they just did it for years. It's the reason why they were gone for like a long time. They got stuck. And finally, at a certain point, they were like, we need to lawyer up And get out of this it was a very impressive story again of them like well what are we going to do now well let's start our own like record label and let's release some of this music they couldn't use any of those songs that they delivered to Def Jam were gone because even though Def Jam didn't want to release them they owned them because they were recorded in their studio it was crazy story wow I mean mad respect to them for that yeah it was like they, they knew that they had fans and they knew they had people out there who were interested and they were like well let's just do it let's just do it ourselves and and see what we can make of it and for many many years despite not having really like radio hits following their major label years they had huge live tours and just built it up enough where they had enough of a dedicated following that they could keep doing their thing and, you know, making it work. I actually love that. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that about them. I was going to say, if we go long enough, we might be able to turn you. But let's let's turn to the to the stuff that's going to make us all hate yeah. them. Hey, it sucks. It sucks.
0: It, it does. It really does. It sucks does. that maybe you guys would have convinced me. You, you, you guys may have convinced me to be like, I know. no, dude, just go listen to this petty song. <laughs> go, just, just give them another chance. Just, you have to. And then just the mounting yeah. pressure of the world might have just made me like, dude, who, poor Matt Kelly and Matt Milligan. I don't know if you know this about Matt Kelly, but when he was a kid, <laughs> he used to take all his least favorite songs from the albums and put make mixtapes out of them and listen to all his least favorite songs from band's albums to
2: make himself try to <laughs> like them. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe I would have had to have done that with Hanson,
1: except... So I'm going to preference this. With this statement. Preface. You got to preface it. (laughs) I'm going to preface this with a few things. (laughs) Undeniably, the next, there's four major controversies that have happened in a very short span of time, and they ain't good. All right. If they actually want people to. Like Hanson again, they really actually have to put action into their apologies and like yeah. try to make good for the very bad things that they've done in the last couple months. They would have to put in a lot of work for there to be a Hanson redemption at this point.
0: First of all, what I want to say about this, and to skim this over kind of fast, what we got to talk about the what the controversies are
1: yeah first first
0: of all fans criticized the band for not speaking out about george floyd's death and black lives matter and they felt that the band's comments after they were criticized walked dangerously close to the all lives matter statement which i didn't dive too far into that to know if there was some sort of misunderstanding there but that's one thing to be said okay that that's one that's part one of the controversy Part two, yes. Zach Hansen, which is the youngest. Youngest, you yeah.
1: Mm. Which I'm
0: surprised because for some reason, I thought that one who's like the, <laughs> It reminds me of the, the Danny Wood from New Kids on the Block of the band. Do you know which guy I'm talking about? The tall <laughs> one. I, I just assume yes, I, I assume yeah. that the tall one might have been the, the problematic one, and I don't know why I thought that. So something about the cut of his gym. <laughs> but okay, so the young <laughs> one, who what at this point? What is he, 35?
1: <laughs> or what is he, 40? He's I'm, either my age or slightly younger. He might okay. be Matt's
2: age. He might be about my age, yeah. So yeah. like 34 or 35, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So
0: his Pinterest was hacked, revealing multiple transphobic, racist, homophobic, and sexist memes. Zach admitted that the Pinterest page was his and represented, quote, a distorted view of issues surrounding race and does not reflect his personal beliefs. This is so confusing to me. First of all, Pinterest, really? Second of all, yeah,
1: this has got to be the first person that's ever come down because of their Pinterest page. <laughs>
0: yeah, and he was collecting homophobic.
2: I know. The, <laughs> he, yeah. First of all, just the, the phrase collecting memes is hilarious yeah. to me, but also <laughs> yeah. the idea that, uh, yeah, that like, oh, I only collect memes that do not reflect how I feel. That's a, like, yeah, what, yeah. a Did- what a thing to do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm very confused by that. And also to get a a little bit deeper and and less humorous about it, how can you be a person who uh, assumedly has toured the world, has Mm -hmm. legions of fans of all walks of life, (laughs) you know, like all genders and sexual orientations and religious beliefs and cultural backgrounds? How can you have that much life experience and hold racist or homophobic or transphobic or sexist beliefs? Well, and that,
1: that I think is what's been the big thing where like, this is going to sound weird, but I would compare the way that like Hanson fans feel right now with this stuff that's happening. Very similar to like Harry Potter fans with JK Rowling, because It's so out of left field for everything that, that 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 music meant to us. Like you're talking about like a band like Hanson who was writing songs like Weird where it it really is like a song about like accepting each other for, for their faults and who they are. And like, they have a a legion of fans that are all shapes and sizes and colors. And, and this huge, it's, it's not the same as like that country artist who just got videotaped yelling the N word and people went out and bought his record in droves in support. Like this is going so against what their entire fan base is like it's so against brand for them it's so strange
2: i would also say that they made an album that i'm not super familiar with but i i knew a little bit about it that was i come out in 2007 or 8 or so called the walk that was all about a trip that they took to Soweto, africa where they were really moved by the stuff they saw there and they wrote an album about traveling to africa and seeing all the poverty and the hardship in the world and donated i think all or a huge portion of the profits from that album to battle hiv and aids in africa which and again it's like that's on paper is like wow that's so great that's fantastic and again it's the weirdest thing like it just doesn't jive with with these other things that you then see it's like i don't i don't know that's crazy yeah it's
0: it's really really strange and even i mean this is a this is a weird thing to say about it but say these guys are closet racist, homophobes, transphobes, sexist mm-hmm. from what you guys are saying and what you know about them even if they were did have this deep hatred in them somehow then maybe they'd want to keep that to themselves yeah <laughs> i mean jk rowling too jk rowling <laughs> too man yeah. yeah
2: yeah and and with hansen i would say like initially from what i saw and again i've looked into this It's been very quick and brief over the last few days. But what I saw the first time around where they got sort of fans questioning, why are you not saying anything about the George Floyd thing? What I read that as, and I don't excuse this because I think this is an old fashioned excuse now that we really don't have. There's has no place in the world anymore is they were taking that approach of like, we want to stay out of politics and not alienate anybody. So by saying nothing about this, we're going to not open a door to alienate some of our fans and they got called out on that. And in that moment, rather than adjust again, they held to that and they were like, Oh, well in that moment they said like, I I think eventually they did post some like a black lives matter type thing, but the radio silence was perceived to be um, sort of complicit. It was a very like
1: that. Michael Jordan, that Michael Jordan quote of like Republicans wear shoes too type attitude of like, right. oh, we don't want to rock the boat. Like like we've got sure. fans on both sides, so we, we're just gonna stay silent, which like you said, we don't have room for that thought process anymore.
0: In that way of thinking that Black Lives Matter is politics. I is, know, exactly. That's, exactly. That's 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 the problem. That's you the know? problem, and, exactly. And and these guys being what you you we would all assume worldly and mm-hmm. experienced ab- among meeting people of all walks of life they aren't people that w- sat in their hometown and and n- never left or never met anyone outside of their own beliefs uh, these are guys that have seen the world that you know obviously you just said they i guess played in africa they've played yeah. ev- everywhere all over the world that they should be the last people on earth that should be yeah keeping their yeah. mouths shut or whatever but you know i guess that would probably have been their thought process for that and they caved to the pressure and yeah it was probably a what seems to me like a response to like oh shit we're going to lose our cash cow if we don't <laughs> if we yeah. don't speak in that's that's the way i look at it now it did seem that way yeah now looking into even further Like, Mm. it's almost like this led to a downward spiral for them. It's like thing after thing. The next thing that happens is then
1: Isaac. He's the one that you thought would be the troublemaker. Yeah.
0: And turns out he is. Um, He is. You nailed it. Yeah. he, He posted something along the lines of people trying to cancel Thanksgiving, Christmas and Easter in the face of covid. And that he would not comply. Like my head's going to explode trying to like, do do any of us not want to hang out with our families uh, during the holidays and (laughs) do all these like, like motherfucker, like this is not some conspiracy. This is a disease that sucks. And we, uh, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's the kind of stuff that just, I, I get so fucking mad about and and la- he later said it was an emotional mm. response to something happening in his personal life. Like fuck you. Like we all have stuff happening in our personal <laughs> lives that suck, and we're not out there spouting bullshit. Like that—that's not the response to that. Yeah, exactly. Hey, and then the last thing, which all these things are bad, and I would say fuck you to this band about all these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but this this is where. And now I was reading it before we got on here. There is now a there's a subreddit with 1600 members that's. Post Hanson. It's like people, Hansen. That, people that loved Hanson who are just like, no, <laughs> no more. They're like a support group for each other. But between October and January, the band held multiple in-person concerts in their hometown, despite ICUs in the city being at capacity, to which I extend my middle fingers to the heavens to this fucking band <laughs> and say, first of all, Just as I, Matt, I know you're in the same boat. Every musician out there is in the same boat of, yeah, "Yeah, I want to play shows. Yes, this is my life's work. This is what I love to do. But these guys... I would assume are multi-millionaires who don't need to go out and play a fucking show. They could sit in their house and live comfortably, record music with each other, find, find ways to live stream, find creative things to do at this time that sucks for everybody where everybody is struggling. And these motherfuckers, and I don't mean to get so belligerent, but Fuck this band. (laughs) Fuck this band forever. Do not buy their albums. Do not listen to them. Do not give them a stream. (laughs) If they are fucked, they fucking endangered. And I will say that right now, it is a fact. It is an absolute fucking fact that this band played live in-person concerts in their hometown while their hospitals were maxed out and people were in ICUs. It is an absolute fact That because they did that, there were people that through transitive property of people going to the concert and spreading the disease, people died because this band had to go play fucking mbop in their hometown. So fuck hansen forever is what i said
1: you just like lit a fire and just set the last like <laughs> 25 years of work just to fucking ashes it's so devastating it's a shame
2: i mean i was gonna say because it's the, it's in tulsa right i know they're from yeah. tulsa this is where the shows happen and of course that's where you know last year that's where like trump held his rally in the midst of the covid pandemic as well so i again you know I don't want to shit on a city. I've played in Tulsa and I've had a wonderful time in Tulsa. (laughs) And there's wonderful people there. But, you know, and it's just not to defer any blame away from Hanson, because no matter what, they shouldn't be doing these shows. But like, what is going on in Tulsa that they're just hosting these events? It just blows (laughs) my mind. It's crazy. Like, what is going on, guys?
0: Most importantly, Hanson. I was on the fence. I was maybe. (laughs) I was maybe going to be convinced. I was maybe going to crack to the pressure. I was maybe going to hear a song and be like, "You know what? I take back everything bad I say about Hanson." But I didn't like the music to begin with. But yeah, I really, I really hate this
1: man. I don't even think we should do the the thunder blunder for this one because it's (laughs) it's not even almost impossible. Because like. Hansen as people, Hansen is how I want to support them as of yeah, yeah, yeah. 2021. Like, yeah, they're a total blunder. Four days ago, it would have been thunder all the way. Like, it's way too hard to even determine that scale for me right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Up until this recent controversy, once this conversation was over, I would have said to you guys, you know what? The music isn't really my thing, but I got mad respect for these guys, you know, especially the going independent and just pumping out music over the years and maintaining a fan base for so long, I would have went thunder. I'd have went, yeah, they deserve to have that hit that launched and propelled them forever. But it turns out things weren't so black and white. And I don't necessarily, you want to one more time. I just want to say this too, that I don't think it's, politics politics is one thing like am i a super liberal person yeah but that being said i can listen to different ideas about things and maybe i can be convinced of different things but when it comes to first of all sexism racism homophobia transphobia no i there is no argument <laughs> that that i don't care what your political leanings are there's no argument that i'm going to be convinced otherwise those are basic human things. And then this thing about playing shows during a pandemic is just no thought of human lives or human well-being or the the, the greater good or anything. It is purely selfish. And I don't want to hear any bullshit about like, oh, we did it for the staff of, you know, for the venue or whatever. Like, cause that's, I wouldn't buy that in a million years. I say, fuck this band, biggest blunder of all time, biggest, biggest blunder, bigger blunder than, the Verve pipe, bigger blunder than SR seventy one. This is the blunder of all blunders.
1: I mean, I don't think there's much more to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting so heated about this, but no,
2: uh, it's it, no, it's justifiable. You know, it's really, really a strange and surreal experience and i am not you know again i came into this prior to all of this information i would have said that i was a fan of this band i'm not like a devotee i have not there's plenty of more recent records of theirs i have not heard but i would have said i was a fan and i definitely don't feel comfortable saying that (laughs) at this moment but um it's such a crazy experience and such a difficult thing when uh, artists who you admire and respect Let's you down. And unfortunately, we've seen it happen a lot over the last few years. It's hard to reconcile and it's hard to um, process how someone who did something that gave you such joy could also have these ideas and beliefs that are completely antithetical to that it's a tough thing and i am not going to be seeing hands in live anytime soon for several reasons it's it's a tough thing and i I wouldn't you know i i totally feel you chris and i agree completely fuck this band is really it's hard to feel anything else the idea i i think the fact that there is that like the reddit support group like i get that i understand like it's all it's like a trauma in and of itself that you could be burned and hurt in this way by someone who, you know, we, we let artists get really close to us and we, we hold them dear. And when you when you get burned in this way, it's it's hard to reconcile. I can understand why is really the point I'm trying to make. I can understand why someone would take this information and be like, well, I still I, I don't care. I still love this band.
0: I, I will say this. I want to say one more thing about this for sure is it's easy for me because I didn't like the band anyway. So it's <laughs> yeah. extremely easy for me to go, fuck Hanson, they suck, whatever. But yeah. imagine if I found out tomorrow, Bjork slaughtered a bunch of dolphins. I'd be like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Or, you, you know, like Ben Folds beat up a kid or something. Like, I, I would be like, I I I understand the feeling, like you're saying, of the fans being let down and how you do you let artists into your life and you... You love them and you 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 have expectations of them. You know, I don't feel like my expe- expectations for artists are for them to be perfect human beings or something. Yeah,
2: no, for sure. If
1: nothing else, I think Hansen, along with J.K. Rowling, along with Joss Whedon, along with a lot of these uh, recent things is like, I can't define myself by the people who I enjoy, I have to define myself by what I personally believe and feel is right or wrong.
0: Yeah. And I think that we can, uh, this is really, uh, Hey Matt, first of all, I I hope you don't feel uh, upset that we're, we're, Destroying Hanson so much, and you picked this as your song for the episode. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah, I think it's really interesting to talk about. Actually,
2: I agree. I Again, I picked it because I had some personal baggage with the song, and I had seen them live, and I was like, "Oh, this is really interesting to me." And then when I heard the controversy, I mean, this is going to—I don't mean to sound like—I'm glad that they did horrible things, but when I heard this, I was like, "Oh yeah, let's get into this," because this is like—I—I—it yeah, yeah. is something that I find fascinating. As I just said, like you know, I don't want artists to fuck up and do horrible things but when they do it does create this crazy experience of like yeah like how do you in my own experience with artists again you know like you just ran down the list matt there's a bunch and i've had experiences before where in some cases you know you can find you can still find something to love in there and you can be like well i really don't like this person's belief but i can still find things that are important to me about Harry Potter, for example, but in other cases you kind of can't and you got to like, again, you start a Reddit support group and you, you take your CDs and you throw them away and you, you move on with your life. And that's, that's it. I mean, that's a, that's as, as consumers of art, we all have to make that choice as you know, in this, in this day and age. Unfortunately, I
1: remember hearing someone say this, and this has been sticking with me for, I heard this on a podcast, maybe two years ago. And I I think that it applies to the Harry Potter stuff. And it applies to the Hanson stuff, which, you know, they were talking about, someone asked them, can you separate the art from the artist? And their answer was yes. In the sense of if the first girl that you ever loved, you had a slow dance to, I believe I can fly by R Kelly no matter how shitty of a person R. Kelly is that cannot taint or destroy that magical moment from your childhood. Like that is still a powerful, real memory that you have in your heart. Like if the last memory you have of your grandmother before she got sick was her cutting up a rug to Jean at a wedding, do not let the fact that Michael Jackson is a bad person taint this beautiful memory that you have. Of your grandmother. So, like in the same sense, if the songs of Hansen helped you through a very bad time, just because they're bad people does not invalidate the fact that you on your own got through a very bad time. Or if the books of Harry Potter made you feel less lonely and less suicidal, JK Rawling's being an
2: asshole can never take that away from you. Yeah. That's the power of art versus the artist, right? Like the art is the art is stronger than the artist which I think is kind of awesome. That's
0: that's interesting. Coming from, yeah, like R. Kelly. I liked R. Kelly, you know, like before I knew. Oh my God, I, I loved R. Kelly. It's all, all interesting stuff. And bringing it back to Hanson, I don't know. Maybe Hanson <laughs> is going to, what What could Hanson do? What would you guys I, think Hanson could do? I, I, I don't know. I don't know I, what Hanson could do. I can
1: tell you this much. Whatever Hanson, if Hanson makes a comeback, it ain't going to be for many, many years. I don't think that anyone who is in post Hanson subreddit is going to turn around in 2022 and suddenly be Hanson fans again. But like I said, I, I don't know what it is. It would have to be something in action. It can't be something in words. It has to be an actual thing. They have to do something and it has to Be authentic. And I think that people are smart enough to tell authentic versus a publicity stunt. We've heard a million and one people be like, I'm sorry. And I'm going to sensitivity training to like deal with this. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But like, let's see you put that into practice. Exactly. I'm sorry. Please
2: give me money again. Yeah. Well, anyway. Thanks for coming. Oh, oh yeah. No, again, I'm, I'm really glad. I know this was like, this was, it took a dark turn at the end there, which we knew it would, but uh, no, I'm, I am uh, happy to talk about uh, all of these things. It's important to talk about, I think. Oh yeah, man.
1: This has been one hit thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Vefaios of the bands Punchline, Pack and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of the Geekscape Network. Underneath me, you're hearing Battle Scars off Punchline's album, Action. Visit punchline.com for more music and merch. Matt and Chris have a new company called We Know Podcasting. If you've always wanted to host a podcast but don't know how to get started, want some feedback on your current podcast, or just need someone to edit your show, we're here to help. Visit weknowpodcasting.com for more information and our rates. And let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Ani DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bay Fleck, and more.